Welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling podcast freely available to all. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders. I'm a special education teacher, gentle parenting author, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia and Benjamin. And today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to a friend of mine, Vanessa Hartman. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. I'm excited to chat with you today. Me too. Um, so Vanessa, to get us started, can you share a little bit about you, yourself, your family, and your story? So I don't know where to begin. I have all these <laughs> other lives. Um, current life I'm living is I'm Vanessa, and um, my, my husband is in the military. We've been together for 13-ish years and moved a lot during that time. Hmm. Had a child, never thought I would homeschool. And that's all I know. So from the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent, do all these things, left the wellness world of um, my background was I went a little crazy in the wellness field, got a bachelor's, master's, all these certificate degrees to keep up with love, helping people be healthier, happier, all the things. But at the end, um, I wanted bringing your own child into the world. I wanted to give that to him from the beginning instead of helping all these adults and then him getting lost in the thing. So I never enrolled him in preschool because you weren't allowed to send your own food and they were only sending like the food I couldn't get on board with. So the longer and longer we were together and just doing our own life school learning, I was like, oh yeah, we are going to homeschool. Um, so each time we move, we move every two or three years, I create something that fulfills our family's needs, what we're looking for, but is also free and always open to the community and helps them. So in the beginning, it was mom's workout groups. And now for the past five years, it looks like homeschool co-ops. And that's kind of where I found my niche that I never knew I wanted to do. But I love being a fairy in the forest, teaching these kids and helping them to just find the connection with nature and really be wild and free in their spirits out in the forest and feel themselves instead of being sat down at a desk and told what to think and do. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so you have uh, one son, is that correct? Yes, and I have one son. He is eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah, the half is very important. I find that once so you hit, yeah. <laughs> so once you hit a certain age, yes. Yeah, they're like, you got to have the half. <laughs> Um, so eight and a half. That's awesome. And he has been homeschooled from the beginning. And I, I feel like your story is very unique in the sense that you weren't intending to homeschool, but it just seems like life kind of unraveled for you in a way that led you 
to want to homeschool. And you mentioned the health aspect, but what were some of the other reasons that motivated you or inspired you to homeschool your son? So honestly, in the beginning, it was all just rooted in, I couldn't get on board with school lunches. Mm. And then I was like learning more about the different schools and philosophies. And so I learned about the Waldorf school and I went and visited and it was supposed to be like better quality food and more plant-based and stuff. But then when you dive deeper into it, a lot of times it's not. Um, Mm. So, I mean, it depends on the schools, but from there, like kind of so I joined the homeschool community when Kai was four so he wasn't technically school age yet but I was like oh well I can't find um, a preschool I like and so I just started joining these co-ops and really learning about all the different philosophies all the different homeschooling stuff and the more and more I heard why other people were not not doing school and were homeschooling I was like oh yeah that totally makes sense yeah. And I do believe my son would have been completely fine going to a school. Like he listens really well. He would have sat at a desk and everything he was told. But I think it really would have crushed like his spirit on the inside because he would rather be climbing a tree and he's going to speak up. Like he would have been labeled a tattletale mm-hmm. because when he sees something that he like feels all the emotions of everything. So he's feeling these emotions of what other kids are going through. He would have been considered a tattletale for like speaking up for someone else, like Mm -hmm. seeing the emotions and stuff. So at a standpoint of like sitting at a desk and academically, I think he would have been fine. But the whole emotional aspect, I think would have played out like in so many horrible ways in the long run. Mm. That is very true. I think a lot of times parents can tend to just focus on the academic piece of learning or homeschooling, but we really do also have to consider the emotional environment for our children when we're trying to think about what is the best educational environment for my child. And, um, and yes, academics, you know, for a lot of people are a factor, but, um, you know, I actually uh, just published an entire book on this subject, but talking about the emotional aspect of public schools that a lot of times parents aren't aware of that can can cause a lot of harm to children. Um, And what a beautiful gift to be able to give him the opportunity that he can be at home with you in a safe, loving environment, but he's not just at home. Um, You know, you're you're very committed to having him be involved and not just kind of be a hermit at the house, but having him be really in the world. And um, you mentioned life learning. Um, And we've talked a little bit about my like different I guess, homeschooling styles in previous episodes of my podcast. I'm wondering what homeschool style resonates best with you. You mentioned life learning, you mentioned Waldorf. Um, What would you say describes your homeschooling style now? So something I wanted to add before I answer that question is the big thing too I've noticed between homeschoolers and I think if I would have sent him to school is he is eight and a half and his imagination still like soars and they'll like Mm -hmm. just bust out the door like, playing in the yard of all these things where I think I've seen so many times like having neighbors or friends and they're as soon as their kids start in kindergarten from there on out it's just like oh I just want to be on screens from there Mm. and it's really hard to get them to play like they forget how to play Mm. and so that's the thing I've loved to see like he just keeps going of imagination imagination um but I to answer your question I do a Waldorf curriculum um I consider myself, I get, there's no such thing as like pure Waldorf, um, but I do love so much, like there's magic in Waldorf. And I think uh, for me, I didn't really enjoy celebrating holidays or doing a lot of the things until I found Waldorf. And I was like, oh, we can make our own candles for this. We can do, make it really like more a festival and connection with the seasons and these things. So there's a lot of aspects I love of Waldorf that we bring into it. So I adjusted a little bit to fit our family. So two days a week, we'll do a main lesson, which we did today. So our main lesson will be from a Waldorf curriculum I get. And then we do two days a week with our homeschool co-op. And so I would consider we have like a four day week of that stuff. And then we're free the other three days to Mm. do as we would like to. Um, But there's, I found like Waldorf through like, healthier eating and minimalism and so our house is full of like Waldorf kind of stuff because it makes it so beautiful everyone wants all the wood stuff and like just the art is amazing so so for someone who's listening that's not familiar with Waldorf could you explain a little bit more about what Waldorf is or that philosophy 
So Waldorf originated in Germany with Rudolf Steiner that he built a school for, he was working in the cigarette factory that they wanted their own school for these kids, but he didn't want it to be only available to those factory workers' kids and he wanted it to be accessible to everyone. Um, there's a whole history on him and these like books that like, you gotta be like, you can't be doing anything else to read it. Like it's like over your head books in a lot of ways. But today, Waldorf School still has a lot of that essence of you wouldn't start a kid in academics until they're seven by spring. So on a public school standard, Kai would be in third grade, but we actually do second grade curriculum. And I just don't label, we got rid of, like, we just homeschool. We don't have a label of a grade. Um, they don't have their own, they don't have textbooks. They make their own textbook from their main lesson book. So they're using these high quality block crowns that will last you, they're expensive to buy, but we're still on the same ones after three years. So mm. it's really high quality materials and you're creating your own lessons. So they're learning to read by first, like living this story of an M is through a mountain and they remember the story they're told and then they're writing it and then they're learning how to read from their own writing. So it's really, I, the best way to describe it to me is like magical. Like if you ever go visit a Waldorf school, you're like, I would like to go back to school again, please. Can I start in <laughs> kindergarten? Can I? Um, so it's just like a circle time we don't do in the house because it would be weird with just me and him. So that's really why I've created homeschool co-ops to do a circle time. So we're singing songs, we're doing finger plays, we're beeswax molding stuff. We're doing a lot of fun, different crafts. And then really, Waldorf uh, it's amazing how telling a child a story like instead of reading a picture book like it, they might remember it but once you like get out these little characters and you tell a story like it stays within them so much differently so it's really the best way to so it's hands heart head learning so you're learning everything through your whole being instead of like oh this is the alphabet let me memorize a b like mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I, that aspect of telling stories too, that plays such an important role in their imagination, like you mentioned, and how important preserving a child's imagination is. I don't think we realize how crucial it is to hold on to that aspect of being a child and the beauty that children have that they can just imagine these worlds and create and picture things in their minds and you know dream and envision these things and create these games and play and how important those aspects of being a child are to their growth and their development with which of course you know when they're in school a lot they don't have a lot of opportunities to to do those things um what are some ways that you guys incorporate his or feed i guess help him like feed and nurture his natural imagination so Kai, another aspect of waldorf is you learn their temperament so there's four different temperaments so cleric melancholic, phlegmatic, or sanguine. And so learning more about their natural like personality, who they are. And then also how I mentioned to you before that it's a whole different topic that needs a whole different episode is the human design chart. So really like knowing, figuring out who, their who they are, their personality, their tendencies, and then helping foster that of Kai is a sanguine melancholic. So Sanguine means he's going to hop from one thing to the next. So it's going to be like, mom, can I build a rocket? He'll run away. Mom, can I do this? And so being like as simple as like, okay, we have this mirror by the table where we homeschool. Sure. Let's write it all down. We don't have to do it right now. And then that way, when you're bored, here's a list of ideas and run with it. And then the melancholic side is more like the emotions. Like he's feeling the emotions of if I build a rocket, is it going to work? what if we get stuck in a tree, like all these different things. So instead of kind of telling them all the things, like knowing who they are and being like, oh, Kai, you're a problem solver and telling him like, Kai, I have a problem. Can you help me? And they like light up. So I think it's obviously like getting to know your child and seeing how they're going to change and yeah. go through different interests and stuff. But really, honestly, like giving him the space of I try and be home three days a week and not have anything planned. If it is, it's just our hour and a half main lesson. And the rest of the time it's on schedule time. So like mm -hmm. right now he's probably building something in his room with magnet tiles and getting into this war reenactment battle. And <laughs> so I think it's really 
like I think the thing parents are often scared to do is give their kids an opportunity to be bored and when they're bored like that's when their creativity and imagination like soars because then then they'll be like oh mom come like I'm gonna show you what I did and Mm. so but if they don't have that time and it's just told how to play and go from school to soccer to choir to yeah all the things yeah well and I feel like you really hit the nail on the head because having that opportunity to be bored is really 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 important um and not necessarily to be bored but to not have anything scheduled or planned um and I know when I was growing up I kind of had that very structured schedule you know we go to school and then after school we have sports and activities and clubs and all these other things and literally it's like every moment of your day is planned from start to finish but that unscheduled time is really when kids discover who they are they discover their passions and they really have that space to create something um and so what do you do when he's having his unscheduled time so i do all kinds of things <laughs> um <laughs> I am, am an entrepreneur in many forms, so still in the wellness industry, helping other people start homeschool co-ops and doing photography, so he knows, like, there's a point in every day, usually in the afternoon, like this time mm-hmm. of day, so we'll have our morning time together, do the things, and then, then the afternoon, I'll be working on whatever I need to take care of for the many different hats I wear um and so and to when you get into that routine and rhythm like that's another thing with Waldorf is creating that rhythm knowing Mondays we do this Tuesdays we do this and also just knowing the rhythm of the day then it's not like he's not like running up standing next to me like mom 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 so you create that rhythm that consistency and I was actually reading a while back about an average kindergarten or first grade um child's day and it was to wake up have breakfast in front of the tv and then they would get in the car and like watch their ipad or their van screen like to be taken to school mm-hmm. and then they're sitting at like their desks and don't have recess time and then they're picked up like same deal watching their screen in their car go to their extracurricular activity then come home and it's already like dark and they're all eating like yeah. dinner in front of the tv and like then go to bed and i was like there's no time to like play or read or do any of the things so just imagining the difference of our life and instead of that being like five days a week how we are like Mm. being able like to wake up slowly and start the day and shift to as needed like it's awesome we have this flexibility to be like okay I can see you need a little bit more time before we sit down and we start our main lesson Mm -hmm. yeah that's really cool so does he um I guess do you like set limits for screens or do you not have screens at all or how do you navigate screen time with him so we don't have a tv we haven't for quite a few years now that's another aspect of Waldorf is like low technology Mm -hmm. and I found when a tv is not there it's not asked for so Mm -hmm. um obviously that's not the easiest for a lot of families to do but we're like outside a lot or with our community and so a lot of times like we'll go easily in Hawaii uh, we used to live in Hawaii now we live in Maryland but when we lived in Hawaii we would go a good month or so without even watching a family movie because we had it labeled green days were the weekdays and purple days were the weekends you could watch a movie on a purple day uh, but he would always choose being with his friends or something instead so we went a really really long time without even doing anything but now um we still do I would say we maybe watch movie Tuesday Thursday and then just depends on our weekends but Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's pretty like I have my go-tos of say like I need to do a podcast interview or I need to like really work on something and he's been playing for hours and he's just bored like then I pull out sparkle stories and it is I love listening to it too. I'm like, yeah, you can sit by me and listen to a sparkle story while I finish. Like, What is sparkle stories? I've never heard of that before. So I believe the family that created it is a Waldorf family that they had their child, their children in Waldorf education too. So, I mean, there's amazing podcasts out there, but they have advertisements and I like love the circle round podcast, but as soon as the advertisements come on, like I'm off. 
So Sparkle Stories has no advertisements. It's broken up into age group. It's broken up into like if you're if a child lost like a grandparent, you can look up stories. You can look up stories for Christmas, for Halloween. Like so it's categories and age group and it's different characters too. So for a long time like Kai was so attached to Martin and Sylvia that that was like his siblings. Like Aww. but that too can inspire creativity because he'll listen to a story about like them building their ferry boats for spring and then I'll watch him build his ferry boat boat as he's listening to this story so it's a great ones for like if they want to draw or color or just listen or they might be like oh I want to do this too I want to build this so I'd say actually that's something I've consistently done since he was probably three and a half and so these stories are like so deep in him that he knows like oh it's almost Thanksgiving. We need to listen to this Martin and Sylvia one because we're getting on a plane too and I need to try on my trip and he's like drawing his map. And so it's, yes, That's it's awesome. like $10 a month, but the best like $10 I could spend in home Really? Yeah. That's really cool. I'll have to get the link from you and I'll make sure that I share the link to that in the show notes. Um, I, I'm familiar with the Circle Round um, podcast and we listened to that one too, but yes, they do have advertisements on that one. Um, but Circle Round is free and I'll make sure that I include the link for that as well. So if you're looking for awesome ways to incorporate stories or audiobooks or, you know, dramatic stories, I guess a lot of times they do dramatic stories. Um, on via podcast or whatever, those are some great resources. I think that will help you increase listening to stories throughout your day, because um, you're right, Vanessa, you know, earlier you said that yes, reading picture books is good because then they're able to see the pictures, but there is something really unique that happens when a child is able to listen to a story and imagine and create that world for themselves in their own brain without having like an illustrator's idea of what that should look like. Um, And that is definitely a part of cultivating a child's imagination when you have them being able to listen to audiobooks and things like that, or these stories that are on there. So thank you for sharing that resource. I'm really excited to check that out. That's really cool. Um, So one of the questions also that I was thinking about is, you know, I know that your son is an only child and you guys do travel a lot. I know that you are passionate about creating these co-ops and stuff. And so I'm wondering what has inspired you to create co-ops and what is the benefit for a homeschooler being a part of a co-op? So I think anyone, no matter where you are in life, what you're doing, we all need community. And especially when you're a homeschool, there's like so many different types of homeschoolers, you know, too, like there's people homeschooling to get their kid ahead and wants to like accelerate the academics. There's um, homeschoolers that are more like me that's like slow down childhood and we can learn to read anytime we want, like, but let's learn mindfulness in the forest first. And Mm. I naturally, I love leading. I love teaching. I never thought I would be singing songs in the forest, but I do. And I love it. Like it's I think too, it helps me reconnect with my inner child and heal in so many ways that I can give this to kids and I can do the work plan and execute it for them. And I love it. And it's, for me, I wanted to always create a homeschool co-op day where people looked forward to it and they walked away like, they're like, oh, I feel so good. And I want, I can't wait till I come back because too, yeah, people will think it's about getting the kids together, but it's also, that's one awesome component about it but it's also as parents how much are we challenged of like you're doing what you're doing like Kai's doing what you're not doing that like and you need people to also be doing similar things to you to know you're not alone to feel supported and then when Aunt Becky's like Kai doesn't know how to do this and you're like yep Kai doesn't know how to do this but he's a really awesome kid like you compliment everything else and you're confident you know you don't feel like oh my gosh I have to go like so everyone needs community and any belief system that is really important to them Mm -hmm. because if it's something that like we're keeping continually like thinking and upsets us it's important and so to find those people that feel the same way and that way too like you're giving your child like so say me and this group of people I'm with like they're um, like it's important for them to have their kids out in nature to slow down childhood 
that means Kai's getting friends that are in the same value system too. So it's so easy for them to like pick up sticks and become friends and like, yep, let's go build a teepee and climb a tree. And yeah. you do that. I do that too. Oh, I, you don't have a TV. I don't have a TV. Like hmm. it's not a big deal. So then they don't feel, you know, like they're different or left out yeah. and they get to really just enjoy childhood. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how special childhood is. Like it's this once in a lifetime thing and it's only for so many years mm-hmm. and they can be in it and then instantly be out of it depending on who they're with, like who their peer group is. Yeah. So I create co-ops for myself of having this community, but also I know myself and I can do a lot of work to help other people that not everyone has the energy to wake up and be like, I'm going to create a co-op today and I'm going to lead it and do all this stuff. And honestly, it gets easier and easier the more years I do it. I don't plan as much as I used to. I can wing a bunch of stuff, but it's just, it's very fun to see kids out there and the conversations they'll have too of most of the things I would teach them like Forest Fridays. I do a lot of mindfulness. So for them to like come back and be like, Miss Vanessa, I got stung by a bee and I tried to do your breathing technique and it was really really hard it really really hurt but I tried and so they're listening and they're trying and then I'll even hear them like to each other like talk about like oh Kai's mom said this I tried like so it's cool that you know like I feel like I I get to be a kid all over again and (laughs) I love that and actually one of the ways that that you and I had connected here in Maryland was through your soccer program that you did. And um, I remember I was asking you like, how did you do this? Um, And you were just sharing that Kai really wanted to play soccer and he wanted to have someone that he could play soccer with. And due to COVID, everything was kind of like shut down. And so you just created this opportunity for homeschoolers to come and play soccer. And I mean, I want to say there are probably like 40 kids maybe I feel like that would come out like and play soccer and I mean that was like such an awesome time and it was so great to see the kids doing something that they loved and and I just I really want to thank you for taking that initiative to be able to hear what your child was wanting like he wanted to play soccer and then you responded with that initiative of I'm not just going to provide this opportunity for my child but I'm providing this opportunity for all of these other children as well. And um, I think that's something really special about you that you are looking for ways to contribute things to community, as you mentioned, you know, not just focusing on your own child, but, but really creating that community for yourself and for him. And that's such a a powerful thing to be able to offer the world. Um, And so I'm wondering, um, you know, what does a typical day in your co-op look like now? So we are traveling a lot. Um, this has been the most like crazy 18 months of my life. Um, my husband's going back to school and sometimes he's here, sometimes he's not. He's still in the military and we don't know like past one month. So I've had to learn to live one month by a time, sometimes one week. And we probably have traveled more than we've been home. So um depends if we're traveling or if we're here but if we are here uh monday wednesday friday we hang out home or we'll go do something with friends sometimes tuesday thursdays at the co-op now last year i did like a waldorf in the woods and we were at the farm one day and then now we're just at the farm two days a week because i couldn't really take on leading a co-op and not being here but my favorite way to lead a co-op is to kind of structure it like it would be a outdoor Waldorf school in the beginning and then like just extended pre-play in the end so from 9 to 9 15 like people would arrive 9 30 we would do a circle time it takes about like 30 minutes or so and in the circle time I would sing songs to start so it's all about transition so like you have this one song to start and people know you're starting you have a song to sing when they know it's time for free play you have a song you sing when you bring them back in So it's consistent and they know like, oh, this is where we are. So during the circle time, we'd have a theme of the month, especially if it was like fall or spring when we're changing seasons, it'd be all about that. Waldorf also has a lot of festivals they celebrate. So something that is significant for that month that flows into the next month. And we would have a finger play, a verse, usually. So I would bring, bring picture books and read those in the beginning. 
and I would end with storytelling. So I would bring both aspects in because even now at the farm, like I have teenagers that like love listening to the book. <laughs> They're like, I want to hear. <laughs> so picture books do catch their attention still. Yeah. Um, so after circle time, they would go have free play, then bring them back in for a fruit bowl snack, which it's fun to have every family bring a different fruit and you're cutting it and mixing it together. So that's this community aspect of this mm -hmm. is my blueberry, but you're bringing all of these other things. So here's our fruit bowl. And we would talk about like, oh, red fruits are good for our, our blood. And so we would talk about like the nutrition aspect too, and then have our snack. You definitely got to have a snack in a, in a co-op or else it can't last. Um, <laughs> And then we would have some type of like main lesson or craft for the day. And after they would finish, they would run off and they would get to go play in the forest. And I would always be like, hey guys, we're in a new spot. I had this cute verse that it would be north, east, south, west, where I am is the best. And we would talk about, mm. is it okay to run off in the bathroom by yourself? Is it okay to go over here? But so that like giving instead of rules, like don't go here, don't be like, evaluating this place we're in a new area what do we think is safe for us as a group mm. and so and then we would once they are in their free play time like we could always see them still but I would do a mom's circle check-in and dads were always welcome to come too um, sometimes dads would come but more likely just the moms and so I'd do a mom's check-in and be like okay this is our word for today of support and be like, share whatever you want. Like maybe you're feeling really supported. Maybe you're not feeling supported. How can we as a group, as a community support you? Mm. And that's the one thing I think that makes co-ops thrive more than anything. Because you could be sitting in this circle with 10 other people and not know anything that's going on unless you ask. Yeah. And so I've had many friends from those now uh, walk away from marriages that they were being abused. I wow. would have had no idea unless I asked this question. Mm -hmm. um, so really too, I would always also make it of like, hey guys, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do, but I am always open to feedback. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you don't love. Tell me what you're uncomfortable I'm doing. Like if you're uncomfortable with another family, like tell me, like I, I want us to thrive. And so you got to yeah. tell me. That's, that sounds absolutely amazing. And I, I love the way that you kind of settle this up. And I really like the, the singing songs for transitions. I feel like that's such a fun way to, to do transitions is through song. And actually growing up, my, my mom loves musicals. And so we used to grow up with musicals and singing and all this stuff happening all the time. And I used to pray like, please let me grow up in a musical. I just thought it was so cool how they could be in the middle of this, you know, crazy time. And then someone would just bust out you know, in this song and, um, and just the power of, of song in whatever situation that you're going through and how it really like impacts your mood. And, um, and so that's something we really actually love too, is like singing throughout our day. Although we don't have, you know, like a specific transitional song um, to do, but just that aspect of incorporating song and music um, I think is really important, you know, for, for kids and, and even for us as adults too, because music has, has power, you know, um, and it has an impact on the way that we're feeling. And um, so with the transition songs that you use, are they like songs that are from YouTube or what are ways that I guess other families might be able to use similar songs or I guess the songs that you guys use to help with transitions? So the good morning song I found from Waldorf and it's like very common and they'll change different, like there's a lot of different variations of it, which is cool because I actually changed it from being in the forest to the farm. So we say, and you will like do arm movements with it. So we'll say, good morning, dear farm. Good morning, dear friends. Good morning, dear chickens. All the eggs from the hens. And it keeps going. But I change it to like, if Kai's like having a hard time waking up and stuff, I'll be like, good morning, dear Kai. Good morning. And I'll just free like whatever's going on. I'll be like, good morning, dear leg soreness and all the restless <laughs> you had. Like, you know, you get that tune and then you can make it whatever. Yeah. Um, as far as um, 
one of the ones they they love probably because it's time to go free play is i say let's go play with our friends play with our friends play with our friends let's go play with our friends and be wild and free and i totally just came up with that i don't know how mm -hmm. but i think the longer i've been singing kids songs you just get this you hear the tone and then you're like oh well i'll just or and i maybe it's because i'm not naturally naturally uh, musical that i'll look at a song and i'll be singing it and i was like that makes no sense and so like i'll be like this this is better for this and then like bringing them back in i'd be like can you walk on two legs two legs look at me can you walk on two legs two legs look at me so i think i probably use the same like beats often uh-huh but then, and it really, I guess it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, we're not trying to teach them to be perfect with music. And that was my whole thing. It's actually funny. I, one of the first co-ops I was in, I was like, I will lead anything except for the singing. And then that co-op kind of like uh, went off and a lot of them enrolled in school. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start a new co-op and I have to sing in the forest. And, <laughs> but now I actually, I love singing. Um, I loved singing as a kid. And I just stopped one day and now um, we'll be at like family events or in the forest and I'll be singing something and my friends are like, Vanessa, you can actually sing. And I was like, oh, it might've been my five years of practice in the forest trying to tell kids. <laughs> if you see, my challenge to them too, is like, if you see or hear an adult say, I can't sing, go up to them and make them sing. Like mm -hmm. everyone can sing. That is a great encouragement because I, I, I think it's, again, I tell people all the time, it's not that you can't sing, like everyone is physically able to sing. And I, I think of like the elf movie, you know, where he's like, everyone can sing. You just move your voice up and down. And it really, it's very simple. Um, but in a lot of ways, I feel like we almost have to become like kids and lose that fear of what other people think of us to be able to open ourselves up to just sing. And, um, and you know, now with my kids, like sometimes we'll be going through a day and I'll just, you know, sing to them. It's time to have lunch. Let's go, you know, <laughs> whatever. Or the, I'll ask the, I'll sing them a question and they actually will like sing back to me. And it just, I feel like it increases a lot of that, the fun and the playfulness of interacting with another human being by just being able to, to sing like, what would you like to wear today? You know, I mean, just something simple. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect as you mentioned, but but being able to lose that fear, you know, and really like ourselves becoming like children in that sense of just singing freely, wild and free, like you said. Um, and one of the other things you said that really stuck out to me too, is you, you were talking about, you know, slowing down childhood and really cherishing childhood. Um, and I think that's a really profound idea. And I'm wondering, what does that mean to you when you talk about slowing down childhood or cherishing childhood? So I honestly don't have many memories of my childhood and the ones I do aren't really ones I would want to encourage anyone else to have. Mm. Um, but I think too, it's just like, so I think we're like as a society kind of getting away from this, but I totally lived it of like move out the day, I probably the day after I graduated go get my bachelor's degree, take 22 credit hours, join the National Guard at the same time, work part-time, run cross-country, never sleep, graduate in three and a half years, and start my master's degree before I even walked through my bachelor's degree, and then get like 10 certifications, and like just by the time I was like 22, 23, it was like the things I was like rushing to get, most people don't do until they're like now maybe hopefully like 35, like and I think it's, I don't necessarily think my childhood was that of like, oh, we got to get ahead mentality. But I think now that's kind of how it is of like, where's the best school my kid can go to? My kid needs to start soccer at three years old so that they can be ready for high school. And it's like, well, you only get this period, this childhood in your life where you can just play and you don't have a worry in the world. Like to me, that's childhood of, and I don't even know necessarily like where I would say it ends of like, they call it middle childhood years when it's seven to 12. And a lot of times kids can kind of like get out of that. And then that's when they want more technology. They're more influenced by their peers. But if you're in the right peer group, that can shift to like, let's draw, let's read, let's do music instead of like, oh, let's play Fortnite and let's do this. Like, so that's where I think 
in any sense, like whether kids are going to school, but um, we have this like awesome opportunity in homeschooling that we can kind of control in a way more their, who their peer group is like, because as a homeschool, you're being like, well, we're choosing all the things we're going to join. So who's there and what are they doing? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so when you're talking about cherishing childhood, what aspects of childhood do you think are important for us to kind of hold on and try to protect? I think it's definitely just free play in their imagination, like letting them just like now Kai will be like, mom, I need you to shut the door. Like, I don't want you to hear me playing in the backyard mm. because he'll be like low crawling and he'll be like reenacting all this stuff. Like that he's just living in like total, like pretend, you know, and it feels real. And I think as adults though, like I naturally like will start daydreaming about something that I want to happen. And maybe we're calling it manifesting as adults instead of daydreaming, but they're like, just in this like me as an adult I'm not gonna go low crawl in my backyard like (laughs) I'm not gonna like act out like whatever I want to play and they have this full confidence and just like they're truly in the present moment just playing freely like without being like oh I should do this or I should like did I mess this up like they're in their mind just fully of play yeah I think it was um, Maria Montessori, I believe that she said that play is the work of childhood. And it, it's it's interesting because a lot of times we kind of separate those domains, right? We separate like work and play or school and play. And that we view play as kind of like the break from learning. Whereas I think it's important for us to really start to change our and shift our views about play because play is where the learning happens. Um, and it's, it's a really valuable, valuable part for kids. One of the things I struggle with though, sometimes I feel like sometimes my daughter will want to play these like imaginative games, whether it be with, you know, her dolls or Barbies or something like that. And sometimes I feel like I have a hard time diving into that world with her. Um, whereas like there are certain other things that like, I feel like we both really enjoy playing together, um, how do you handle that? Like, or do you join him in his play or do you have certain things that you like to play together? How do you navigate um, playing either with him or giving him that space that he can play on his own? So I definitely played with Kai a lot when he was younger, like all the pretend cooking and all that play, it was all about. Um, now he's more, he just wants to play on his own. Like he wants to build his own things, reenact these things, and then he wants to show me them. But uh, now he more like if we're doing something together, it's he wants to read or play games, which the also like you're so right. Like, I don't stress the whole like academic lessons because like for playing games, it's amazing how much you can learn. Like we play like math games that he loves and it's like actual learning games that we'll just come up with cards and stuff. and so. I feel like that when they're like, let's do this and let's play this math card game for an hour and a half, they're getting so much more out of it instead yeah. of sitting at the table and be like, okay, let's do our skip counting. Let's, which obviously <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I still do the main lessons. So kind of, I know like where we are in the Waldorf curriculum and the things we should be talking about or mm-hmm. whatever. But when it's self-driven, like it's like instant compared to like, I'm like, okay, we're going to figure this out mm-hmm. now. And that, I, is, that is so true. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you. So I think that's the whole thing of like slow down childhood. Like people are in such a hurry to get their child to walk and get their child to read and know the alphabet and know all these sight words. Where it's like I, um, in the beginning, my husband was nervous about my method of slowing down, but I was like, well, I don't go up to you and I'm like, Angela. So tell me, how old were you when you learned to walk? <laughs> and by what age were you reading? And because most of the time, if it's forced, like you talk to most of the kids that learn how to read when they were super young and they're like, oh, I hate reading. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'd rather you discover it. And that's part of another part of the Waldorf magical thing is to let them discover reading instead of mm-hmm. being like, okay, let's practice. Like, what is this? Sound it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, let them discover they can read. And then yeah. they're like, I want to read all the things. Mm. I, I heard a quote once too that they said that when you teach a child something you forever deprive them of the opportunity of discovering it for themselves 
And that was like, a, you know, because of course my career was as a teacher. And I really saw that that was the case. Like when, when I'm taking the initiative to teach them something and they're missing out on the opportunity to discover the, it themselves, it, it's just a completely different dynamic, especially in their understanding. Like, and so I actually shifted a lot of the ways that I would do my classroom to where I would provide them with opportunities where they could discover, you know, whether it be verb conjugations in Spanish or whatever. And sure, I could have stood up there and been like, okay, these are the verb conjugations in Spanish and there it is. But, but the fact that, you know, they had to figure that out for themselves and they had to discover that for themselves. It, I feel like it really internalized their learning in such a unique way. Um, and, you know, being able to give that gift to our children too, of giving them that space that they can discover those things for themselves, I think is really, really cool to watch. I have loved watching my daughter like discover how to read. I just, I didn't even know that was possible, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I know you mentioned that your husband kind of wasn't really on board with this kind of slowing down, cherishing childhood, slowing down childhood a little bit. Um, and I know that there are other people who are listening that may be experiencing that, whether it be a spouse or a family member that maybe doesn't understand why they're not trying to have their child graduate when they're 14 or be valedictorian or have straight A's or, you know, pushing them, I guess, to be in that rat race of finishing early and all those kinds of things. Um, how would you recommend that people handle when they have other people that are in their lives that may not agree or may not understand why they're choosing to parent or educate their child in the way that they are? So I have two answers for that. If it's a partner that is parenting with you of the child, what I did was I found, I like looked at a million Waldorf YouTube videos, found the most encouraging one, sent it like, like if someone too is just more like they need a, I feel like videos can be awesome. So mm -hmm. find a video that's super motivating, which you could do send to family members to like, cause most people are like, Vanessa, what are you doing? What is Waldorf? What is like, mm -hmm. that's old school. Like, so finding a super encouraging video because that's like an outside source. And then it kind of sounds bad, but with my husband, I was like, one day there was a child that goes um, like to a public school that could write, do all these things. And then there was Kai. And I was like, you know, today just observe them, watch how they do things differently. And at the end he was like, you're right. Like, and so many people have come up to us and they've been like, Kai is so different. Hmm. like can you explain what you observed I guess between the two or what you were noticing like their um conversations their words their emotions their like behavior of just like everything hmm. so um like whether they were listening to each other whether they were listening to their parents whether um the words they were speaking were kind to each other like how they could hold their conversation mainly like um it it basically comes down to life skills you right. know, instead of like memorizing academics compared to life skills and living life. Hmm. So after that, he's like, you're right. Like what we're, I like what we're doing as far as um, family and friends go. I think the thing that makes them feel the most uncomfortable is you're doing something they didn't, or they don't want to do. And it's not really of which is better than the other it may be, be if it's like a family member that's already raised their kids, you might make them feel uncomfortable that they did it like wrong. Mm. So coming from a standpoint of if they're asking me a question, being like, I'm not saying my way is better than what you did. I, this works for our family. Mm. And it would be awesome if you could support us and be encouraging. And it doesn't I've been attacked on Facebook posts I've done. I've been attacked by family members in person. Um, and really just being calm, like I'm confident and I'm stubborn that I'm like, well, I'm not going to give you the power to take away what I feel like is best for our family. Like, yeah. So just from a caring standpoint, being like, you know, I know I'm doing it a lot different. It can be confusing, but this is why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And just show, sharing your family values. And that can work with friends too, because sometimes I feel like a lot of my friends that are sending their kids to public school and I'm not, and they're feeding their kids differently than I'm doing, I think they feel like I'm judging them, which I'm not. And so like trying to like open this dialogue, this conversation of 
we're all different people. Our values are different. And you do you. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, everyone should homeschool just like we are. Everyone, like, that's not the point. Like, the whole point of homeschooling or being a parent is to be able to choose what you feel like is best for your kid. And at the end of the day, I feel like if every parent supported each other that way, like, there'd be a lot less angry posts and messages and conversations going on, uh, which is hard. Like, parenting in general is hard. And then all the different decisions we have to make. And so, but yeah, definitely been there. And that's the awesome thing about having a community because then when you get something like that, you go back to your community, you talk with them. Instead of getting fired up at that person, you let it go and you go talk to your community and you figure out the next time you're in that situation, how can I answer it better? How can I not let it bother me? Because we're really like doing this for the best interest of our child and keeping that as the most important thing, our why, like, then we don't need to waste our energy on the people that don't understand and don't want to support us, we can more put it into why we started our child. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and I think those are definitely great tips um, for people that may be struggling with feeling kind of that external pressure from from people around you. Um, and it is, it's important to remember like that they're coming a lot of times, like they're coming from a good place, you know, like they're coming from a place of care and concern. And I think even to being able to acknowledge, like, I get that you're expressing these concerns because you care about my child and, you know, being willing to share like, and this is why, you know, we do what we do, or, you know, even if they're not even open to hearing about it, but just being able to say exactly what you said, this is what works for my family. And, and knowing in your heart that it, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter what anyone else outside thinks as long as, you know, you and your, like, you and your child are sure that you're on the right path that's for you. Um, I think that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, and I love that you also mentioned sharing the videos. I think sharing videos is also a great way to be able to communicate, I guess, like values, you know, and, and kind of give people an opportunity to see something different. Um, a lot of times people aren't, aren't so excited about, you know, whether it be reading a book or an article or something like that, but I feel like videos can really show people, you know, like the visual and the audio aspect of what some, you know, what an alternative life could possibly look like and what is possible for them and for their family. Um, and to be able to have them, you know, kind of open up through seeing those videos and stuff. And actually that's one of the reasons why I made, um, I made my own introduction to homeschooling video. And if you're interested in checking that out, I will make sure that I put that in the description for you guys. Cause I, I definitely saw the value in that of, I felt like I was kind of getting sick of repeating, you know, the same things over and over and over. And I was like, you know what, I want to be able to create a video that someone can just share with someone who's not sure, maybe doesn't understand why someone might homeschool or specifically why someone would want to unschool. And I feel like it's kind of like my introduction to unschooling almost of, um, you know, the fact that we can sit, sit back and really like analyze why are we doing what we've been doing? Um, so yeah, that video has been really helpful and I've gotten great feedback on it that people have shared that, that video that I made with their family and friends and that it's been helpful for them. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any other resources that you would recommend that you feel like have been really helpful or supportive in your journey as a homeschooling mom. Oh my goodness. I've read so many books. (laughs) I'd love to read too. Do you have any favorites that you would want to share or that you think were really um, inspirational for you? So I don't think there was like one book that was like, oh yes, I'm going to homeschool. Like a lot of people read like wild and free you're the brave learner and all this stuff and I feel like I was already doing all those things but um and even like simplicity parenting is good but I was already a minimalist um so like reading these things I'm like yeah yep um there was a book I read about the middle childhood years recently it's like thriving child it's all about from seven to twelve which Mm. I feel like most people in the beginning, they'll read about being pregnant. They'll read about all the things you do with younger kids. And then they stop reading. This is the book I feel like every parent should read. That's all about just seven to 12 because mm. so many things are going on during those years. And so Kai's in a, there's a seven-year change, a nine-year change, and a 12-year change. And just being able to recognize why they're doing something helps you instantly be like, okay, 
don't get upset. They're in this change and you can recognize it. Because a lot of times parents lose those years with their child or they start to get super frustrated with them because like, you're changing. What are you doing? Why are you doing this now? Mm. And it's good. They're going through those natural progressions. So I'm going to have to look it up, but it's like thriving child something, but it even talks about like ways you can talk to them better. Um, Books you could have them read or like books you do read alouds with, but basically during seven, um, like the Waldorf philosophy is before seven, like world and self is like one thing. And Mm -hmm. at seven, they're like world and self. And so they're seeing all these different things. They're feeling a different way. They might feel more uncomfortable. And then at nine, the whole concept of death like hits them really hard. So Mm -hmm. they can become really anxious. They can like any movie where the mom dies in it, Kai's like not watching it, not Mm -hmm. watching it. Because then they start to realize like one day, my parents are going to die and they're feeling, and that's a really like hard emotion to feel. So knowing how to like, just see the behavior patterns change and be like, Hey, are you thinking about this? Are you feeling this? And it's, and it kind of like, I am mom. And then like, talk to me for like a good hour. Whereas mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have read this book, I would have been like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> this isn't normal. And then 12 is all, you know, like starting to enter puberty and all the things. And so She's got a lot of great, um, I think she wrote like Happy Child, Happy Home or something, Mm. which I never read that one. But um, yeah, I'll send you the information because that one, you have a child in those middle years or even a six-year-old, read it before they turn seven. Mm. That's wonderful. I will definitely have to get that book because Sophia's seven and a half. Um, so I feel like I'm at a great time. I'll have to add that to my to my book list. Um, but thank you so much for recommending that. And um, before we close, I want to ask if you could have one piece of advice that you would want to share with someone who's listening that either is considering homeschooling or maybe is just starting their homeschooling journey. What piece of advice would you like to share with them? That's hard. I have so many. Um, <laughs> maybe you're top I think, three. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people don't realize like, this is your child at the end of the day, you know them best and to stop taking in all these outsider information of a teacher or a doctor or all these different things, like get in tune with your gut instinct and talk to your child and you can always work out anything. And that's going to be the best advocate you, they could have and also teach them like way down the line, like teaching them their intuition and these people that know them the best, like, you can work anything out. You can learn anything. I love that. You can learn anything. Um, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for sharing that. And thank you for sharing a little bit of your story and your life and your wisdom with us. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. And to my listeners, I want to thank you as well for joining us for this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I hope that this episode today has been as much of a blessing for you as it has been for me. Um, please keep in mind that there are new episodes of the podcast that are released every Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on a single one. And Vanessa, if my listeners are wanting to connect with you, what is the best way that they can do that? I'm on Instagram at Vanessa's Holistic Living. And then I'm also on Facebook. I don't know if my thing is set as public or not, but I share basically my life, homeschooling, all the things we're doing on both. So I can send you the links for those. And you also have a podcast, right? I do. I have a podcast called Seeds of Courage, where it's super short, simple, straight to the point. Um, It's usually like five, 10 minutes, no ads. And just the most commonly questions I get, like you, I was like, I need to create this library because I get asked all the time the same question. (laughs) So I'm creating this library of my most commonly asked questions. Mm. questions about health or wellness or it's everything life it there's actually some about uh, creating a homeschool co-op about homeschooling about the human design chart about Mm -hmm. um what you do when your child ends up with 10 stitches from a chicken coop (laughs) fall um basically my life I in my prior Vanessa stage a good 10 years ago I would have had it like all planned out like weeks in advance and I challenged myself to live in the moment and only create one podcast a week because I feel like I'm very in tune of like what everyone else is going through and what I'm feeling and so 
yeah. just share from a space that's very natural and what I feel like could help others. And so far, a lot of people like it and it's working well. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again, I'll make sure that I include the links for that um, in the show notes. So please feel free to check that out and subscribe to Vanessa's podcast so you can get all of her life tips as well and kind of join her on her journey. Um, And yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. I will see you next Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders. And if you enjoyed today's episode, click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.